Okay, back to podcast. Podcast, we uh, won this week. Uh, no podcast Wednesday. We will have uh, Sunday or Wednesday night Bible study. And uh, we'll see how far we get. We got a, we're in the middle of a real good study. And um, we, we may go a few weeks before I give you another break on a Wednesday night. But uh, we'll see how Wednesday night goes and how much ground we cover. Uh, John chapter 5. John 5. I'm enjoying the book of John. John 5, we have another... In John, you see consecutive chapters where... Uh, Jesus, uh, he saves the uh, the woman at the well. Now in John chapter five, we've got another man. Uh, we got a man by the the pool of Beth, Bethesda, and um, it, it's a very very good chapter, very good story, very evangelistic style preaching story. And the thing with John five or or John, John, two, three, four, five, as well as six, seven. What you see in the book of John is Jesus again presenting himself as God, as being the Son of God. Um, and so throughout, you know, and I've I've taught it many, many times. I don't want to say ad nauseum, but I've teach it extremely frequently that Matthew the Jew, Mark the Romans, Luke the the Greeks, and then John, of course, the Christians. Matthew is presented as king. Mark, he is presented as servant. Luke, he is presented as the perfect man. And then John, he is presented <clears throat> as God. So that being the case, when we started in John chapter 1, we started with in the beginning was the word was word was with god word was god very first very first verse and so we go through the entire first chapter of john teaching uh that christ is god we go to john chapter 2 and the first miracle is accomplished john chapter number 2 the miracle of uh the turning the water into wine then john 3 um, he he brings forth and introduces the doctrine of being born again, John 3, with Nicodemus. <clears throat> now we come to John 4, and in John chapter 4, we uh, are introduced, or we begin to see not just his miracles over uh, over the elements. And, and, and make no mistake, when Christ accomplishes his miracles... He does so uh, in proof that he's God. Yes, yes, he wants to help these people. Uh, he wants to save them. But also there is another agenda there. And the agenda that is, that is really primary and present is the presentation that Jesus is God. And <clears throat> that being the case... With that understanding, he he begins to accomplish miracles, and as he does, he he shows that he has miracles over the elements. What do you mean by the elements? I mean water and and wind and 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 uh, 
you name it, natural law, the elements, water, wind, um, the, the sea, all of that. So you see that in the book of John when he, he manifests miracles uh, in making water wine as he calms the storms, he calms the seas, um, he, he controls the wind. So he, he accomplishes so many miracles in, in John and understanding that, um, we, we now go to his miracles over human problems, human elements. So we've seen in John chapter four, John chapter four, he, he saves the woman at the well and as he saves the woman at the well, he he goes forth. He knows her past. He knows uh, what's going on in her life. He knows what's happening um, in her life. And he, he knows about the husbands. He knows about uh, her past situation. And so we come to John chapter 4. And he, he says, I'll give you living water. And she leaves without a, a water pot. And so he, he saves her. Now we come to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we've got a, a, a man who is paralyzed, a man who is uh, laid by this pool, by the, by the sheep market. And... Um, as he does, as he has, as he lays here, he's been laid in here for, and I, I'll get into this in a moment, trying to build the, the introduction portion of this. As he lays here, uh, he feels like there's no hope. Now let, let's talk about miracles quickly. Let's talk about the miracles before we get into, uh, John chapter five and, and break these verses down. Remember that there is an element. There is a reason for these miracles. Again, yes, it is to help. Yes, it is to benefit. Yes, it is to bless. It is to save. Absolutely no doubt about that. Okay? However, again, he is proving his deity. Now, why is this important? Why is understanding this important? Here's why. A lot of people are prone to looking at the miracles, looking at the storm being calmed. Let's let's just use let's just use this for example. Okay. We've got We've got a hurricane coming in. We don't. I'm, I'm giving an example, a hypothetical example. Hypothetically, we've got a hurricane coming through. It's it's the category four or five, whatever whatever the you know big ones are. Like when it hit my beloved Gulf Coast down in Florida this year, or something, something of that nature. Okay, and. We um, we see it coming. We know what's coming. We pray for safety. We pray for God to calm the storm. We pray for God to work. Uh, 
we claim the chapters in the Bible of God calming the storm and the hurricane comes and it destroys homes. It destroys lives. It destroys people. Now, if we're not careful, we can say, well, where's God? He calmed the storm for the disciples. Why can't he calm our storm? I, a good friend of mine through the years, he was the dean of the Bible college. He's, he's still out west in, in Montana doing, doing a work. He's been in a wheelchair since he was 17, 18 years old as a, as a result of a car wreck. Continue serving God. I think about Samuel. Samuel uh, loves God as much as and more than many people, uh, as much as as much as anybody I know, and more than a lot that I know. Samuel loves God. I love Samuel. Samuel is a blessing and an encouragement, and I want to encourage him to keep on keeping on. I know he's listening. But so two two. Uh, beloved brethren in my life uh, are confined or, or, or in a wheelchair at a very young age. Andy Simpson, who's older than me, actually. Andy is uh, probably 52, 53, and Samuel younger. But uh, Andy has been in a wheelchair, again, since he was 17 or 18. Uh, Percy Ray was a, was a great uh, Baptist preacher many, many years ago from down in Myrtle, Mississippi. Uh, had a stroke and, and finished his ministry out in a wheelchair. Now, now why, why, what are you getting at, preacher? Well, if we don't understand the reason for the miracles in the Bible, one could say, God, you're getting ready to heal this man in John 5. Why not Andy? God... You're getting ready to touch this man in John 5. Why not Samuel? God, you're getting ready to touch this man in in John 5. Why not Percy Ray? God, you healed this, this man's daughter of this disease. Yeah, my daughter has type 1 diabetes and has had it since she was 7 and will have it the rest of her life. She's doing fabulous with her, with her sugar. Um... But I, I'm well aware, we all are, that as she pro pro progresses later in life, if she doesn't keep the sugar in check, um, then she'll have she'll have complications. She'll have heart issues or or you know other problems. I'm well aware of that. That's that's my daughter. That's my daughter. So I could say, God, you you healed this man's daughter in in the Bible. Why not my daughter? Now, here's how and why we do not do that. The Bible, when it comes to the miracles, there were, again, he wanted to help. He wanted to bless. He wanted to strengthen. He wanted to be a, be a blessing to these people. He wanted to change and help their lives. There was also another reason for the miracles, and it was the fact that he he wanted to show and prove that he was God, that he was deity. Okay. Now, God can still perform miracles. He can. 
I, I know uh, a, a man right now that fell very ill, was pronounced dead by the hospital. This has been months ago, months ago, probably four or five months ago now. And he's alive. Now, he's still progressing. He's still going through uh, medical treatment. Still in the hospital as far as I know, but he's alive. When he was pronounced dead. Clinically dead. And so, so we do see elements of miracles. And then you've got the element of, of far-flung Baptist preachers or... Church of God or, or different ones that would say, all right, you don't have enough faith. You don't have the faith that they had in the Bible times. That's why you don't see miracles. Well, I call hogwash on that because the Bible says the faith of a grain of mustard seed. And sometimes I see miracles accomplished in the Bible and they had zero faith. Okay. So what I'm saying is this miracles happened in the Bible Miracles happen today, okay? Something that would go beyond natural law, whether it's weather, whether it's a sickness, whether it's over a body, they do happen. However, you do not and you cannot stake and base your faith off of miracles, not as a New Testament believer, one that has a Bible, one that has the Holy Spirit, and one that is a part of the church. Why were the miracles so prominent in the scriptures? To prove the deity of Christ that's in the New Testament. Okay? Now, let's get it. I, I, we had to say that because anytime you get into the miracle issues... You'll have people making modern-day comparisons and saying, if God touched this man, healed this man, if God touched this man's daughter, if God calmed that storm, why not us now? And that is the importance of dispensationalism also, by the way, because we we are in, in a transitional dispensation. We're in the church age where in the church age, it's a, it's a spiritual kingdom by faith. That's what I teach. That's what I illustrate. That's what I show you so much. It is a spiritual kingdom by faith. Totally different. So, let's get into this today. Let's get into the message and the lesson at hand. John 5, verse number 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews... And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So um, this could easily could have been another Passover feast a year after the first one that was mentioned in uh, John 2 and verse number 45. And, um, and so uh, John 2 and, 40, 2 and 13 as well as John 4 and 35. So we got the feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So he would make it his habit that he was going to go up to Jerusalem during this feast period. That was his, his, his practice. That was his custom. That was his habit. Now, there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool. So, 
you got to picture picture a mod, picture a city today. Charlotte, Boston, New York, Atlanta, Baltimore, any city, any city, a big city, and you go there, and there's there are markets there their own street markets especially in the middle east think about the middle east so what would happen was you got the temple solomon's temple in which he he built and and if you recall you remember they restored it under nehemiah and you had all the gates you had the sheep gate and you had the water gate and you had the gates that were that these were transported in and out of and so there would be markets and in these markets, you could you could purchase sheep. You could purchase, you know, uh, you could p- purchase produce. You could purchase what what you needed. It was it was a regular metropolis. So here in Jerusalem, you've got the temple. Outside of the temple, you've got the gates, and then just beyond the gates, you've got the individual markets. So there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches, okay? So this would be at the Sheep Gate. And um, so as we look at this, it's we got five porches, verse number two. And uh, that means that they, they were covered resting places or pavilions around the pool. So a porch is, is pretty much what we consider a porch. You've got covering and you've got a a place to sit and a place to rest, and it's all sitting around by pool. There's there's pools out there, pools of water. And uh, in these, the Bible said, lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. So th- this expression here, uh, or the expression in the troubling of the water that's noted in four and set verse four and verse seven, uh, it'll speak of the bubbling up of the spring, and what would happen is it would make people think that angels were troubling the waters, or they could have actually been an angel who did this. We don't know. So, um, they they what would happen is these pools would bubble up, and uh, they're thinking an angel did it, and and it very well could have been. But the water would begin to bubble up or trouble. And at that point, uh, the first person in basically would would try to get in and get healing. Healing springs, healing waters. Still healing springs today. The, the Native Americans utilized it. Ancient people, old, you know, ancient civilizations utilized it. Healing springs, healing waters. I, there's a place up in, in Ash County called Healing Springs. And... Um, I certainly believe in that much more than some of some of modern medicines. That's for sure, and so that's what that's what this is. The you've got blind, you've got halt, you've got uh, folks in terrible shape. They're they're sitting around on this porch uh, with a covering, and there's a pool. And every now and then, this pool kind of bubble up and rise up. Okay, stay with. Me. We're going verse by verse. Verse four for an angel went down. Uh, at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So, we see the Bible does say an angel would trouble it. And so, again, the angel could have utilized it. And so that's that's what I... Let me be clear on that. It's definitely an angel troubling it. 
Um, but we don't know if it's an angel that is utilizing the spring and just bubbling up the spring, or we don't know if it's um, if it's an angel actually going into it, stirring it up, and then and then being gone. But either way, an angel went down, troubled the waters, and the first person that stepped into it was made whole of whatever disease they had. Now we got a problem here. It's the halt. It's the lame. The halt and the lame would be someone whose whose feet were either slow or incapacitated altogether, okay, or legs. Verse 5, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Okay, so he's been at this a long time, thirty-eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Okay, so he's lying there. He's been a long time in that case. Jesus asked him, Wilt thou be made whole? I will make you whole. I will make you complete. I am offering this to you here and now. Now watch this. Uh, verse number 7, The impotent man answered him, saying, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Now, let's get into this. This man is like a lot of us. He is blaming his, his situation on the fact that someone else is not helping him. Uh, I've, I've worked for UP. I've seen people fail driver's school and blame it on the fact that they didn't have nobody helping them when everybody's got the same study material. That's the idea of, of mo not just modern man. That's the idea that human mankind has, generally speaking. Blaming their condition on someone else. Blaming where they're at on someone else. Okay? And so, understanding that, Understanding that, he says, sir, I have no man. No, nobody will help me. Nobody will put me in the pool. I got to be the first one in, and I can't get in because, obviously, I can't move my feet and legs. And then it goes on further, and he says, but you know what? No man will put me in there. And so, verse 8, Jesus, and by the way, that's not the question Jesus asked. He's not saying, why are you in this shape? He's not saying, you know, why can't you get down there before someone else? He's he's not asking uh, why this is the situation. Jesus asked him, wilt thou be made whole? He's offering to make him whole. That's it. And so watch. Jesus saith, verse 8, unto him, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. So he looks at him in response to the answer the man give. What answer did the man give? The man said, I've got no man. I've got nobody to help me. I've got nobody to be a blessing. I've got nobody to, you know, this is such the idea of mankind. 
They don't go to church because of somebody else. They don't get saved because of somebody else. They don't have no faith because of somebody else. They don't like, they don't do, it's always somebody else's fault. Just like I talked about this morning. Now watch this. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Okay. So Jesus tells him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk, independent of the pool, independent of the angel, independent of the water, independent of being first, independent of someone putting him in there, independent of another man helping him, independent of everything, Jesus just proclaims him whole by making one act of faith, and that's getting up. You say he's impotent. He can't get up. Oh, no, he's not impotent anymore. He's just got... Now, think about the faith that it's going to require in this man to make it, make an attempt, okay? He's, he's laid by this pool for 38 years watching people get in this pool, get out of this pool. They're healed. Here he is laid there. Now he's got this man telling him, just move. And the man starts going, looking at his lower extremity, his leg that hasn't moved in 38 years. And he lifts his leg and it moves. He lifts his arm and it moves. He bends his knee. And it's ready to move. He extends his 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 knee, and he's able to rise up. This is so beautiful, so beautiful. Jesus proclaims. The man puts Jesus to the test by faith, and we see this happen. Now, folks, in the context, I've explained this in completely in context to you, but in picture and type, that's salvation. No pool, no man, no angel, just you and Jesus. And Jesus comes and says, I'll make you whole if you'll move by faith. And I'm telling you, look, I, I just, again, I altar calls, I, I, I've, here's my deal with altar calls, okay? I've seen more manipulation and quote unquote plucking them green from altar calls than just about anything else in life. Anything. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost has to move one. And the altar's always open. You can always pray. I'll always give folks an opportunity and a time to do that. Okay? The Spirit of God has to do it, though. Not me. But I am saying this. If you got saved in a church at an altar call, or if you got saved at home by your bed by the couch if you got saved 
in, in a bedroom as you begin to bow your head and ask God to, to save you, wherever. When the Spirit of God moved on you, offered you salvation, offered you a change, the moment you make a move towards Him, that's when it starts. That's the birthing process. And you confess with the mouth, confession, bring it unto salvation. You confess, He is God, He is Lord. What a, what a great Bible. That's when you get saved. It's not everything you prayed when you get to the altar. It's not everything you said or didn't say. You make that move to Him, and He meets you there. All right. Verse 10. So verse 9 ends with the Sabbath. This was the Sabbath. Okay. A whole lot of trouble there. The Jews, therefore, said unto Him that was cured. Okay, let's let's switch gears for the next five or ten minutes, maybe. We're going a little longer today. Last time we were a little shorter. Today we're a little longer. This man is healed. This man's been in this shape for 38 years. Everybody in Jerusalem has seen him. Everybody in Jerusalem knows this man. If you've went to the temple, if you've <clears throat> went to worship, you've seen this man. I think about some of the, the homeless in Kannapolis. We might not know their names, but some of them, we know their faces. We've been seeing them for, for years, 30 years, 20 years, some of the same people. Okay, stay with me. <clears throat> There's one, one gentleman in particular I'm thinking of. He hangs around McDonald's over by 29. He uh, he hangs around that area. I used to work at the video store when it where it's R.S. Braswell now and used to be the video store. Um, I can't. I don't know. I, I did know his name. I want to say Ricky. He's a he's a black man. So much I'll probably. It's hard to I, you know you don't know when you're dealing with somebody homeless how old they are really he looks looks much older. But a lot, as long as I can remember, I know it's generational. I know who he is. I bought him hamburgers. My son has bought him hamburgers. <clears throat> so it's generational. <clears throat> Excuse me. If that man, if he were to come in Bethany Baptist Church Sunday morning and get saved, come in your church and sit on your pew, sit where you normally sit, drink coffee there beside of you. Now, I know our church. Believe me, I know our folks. I know how we started. I know who we started with. I know who we have now. You folks would welcome him with open arms, love him. But I know some churches. That fellow walked in their church there's going to be that that not nobody's going to say anything but he would not be as as welcomed with open arms okay stay with me I'm going somewhere with this this man has laid by this pool for 38 years everybody in Jerusalem knows him Jesus heals him cures him saves him but it was on the sabbath 
All of these religious Jews, all of these religious people have watched the misery of this man's life and what they're concerned with. What they're concerned with is the fact that he got healed on the Sabbath. That's right. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've seen churches that you've had people been on drugs and just messed up lives. And God saves them and changes them. And what they're worried about more than anything is what, they're, what they got on. What they smell like. I'm serious. That's religion, folks. And it's out of hell. And it's, it's, it's what the Jews had. This man has lived for 38 years by this pool. And everybody knows him and sees him, and Jesus changes him. <clears throat> and when Jesus changes him, instead of being happy that he's saved, happy that he's born again, happy that, that he's experienced the grace of God, happy that he can walk and he's no longer laying in that condition, they're mad that Jesus didn't do it like they thought he ought to do it. They're mad that that he, he, he did it someplace other than an altar. They're mad that they didn't get to walk him down the Romans road. That, I'm telling you, folks, that's this situation here. Verse 11, he answered them, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. This is the man's answer. Then asked they him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he said, that was healed. Wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, or away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. So Jesus tells him, You're whole, you're saved. Okay, live a life for me. The man departed, told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews per persecute Jesus and sought, sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. What does that tell me? That tells me that their Sabbath was more important than Jesus and this man. Their religion is more important than Jesus and this man. And I'm going to tell you, as long as I'm pastoring Bethany Baptist Church or as long as I'm pastoring anywhere, if God has me... Uh, minister to minister to a ministering to a group of people. I will communicate the message that it's Jesus and the individual that's way more important than any religious tradition, way more important than anything that religion knows and has, way more important than any element of religion is Jesus and the individual. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. Jesus and the individual. Jesus and the individual. No room for religion there. No room for tradition there. No room for church politics there. Jesus and the individual. All right, I hope you've enjoyed this. This has been a little longer. This has been John chapter number 5, verses 1 through 16. The next time we meet, 
we will meet we'll pick back up in verse 17 uh these are this is a longer chapter they're broken up pretty well um in fact, we probably will have three sessions on this, on John 5, because we just got through 1 through 16. The next time, we'll probably uh, get get to verse 27, from 17 to 27. Um, we may get into 28, but that, that's dealing with the resurrection. So we'll just look next time. But this has been John 5, 1 through 16. Jesus Jesus and the lame man. Hope you have a wonderful week. I will see you Wednesday. Good night. God bless. I love each of you.